What I want to talk about this afternoon is, is really important. It's fundamental to being a Christian. If you think about what it means to be a Christian, okay, there's probably some things coming into your mind of, of what it means to be a Christian. And I'm not just on about like the, you know, the, the stuff that you could do. I'm on about the things that if you're not doing this, you're potentially not a Christian. Something's missing. This thing that we're talking about this afternoon is fundamental to being a Christian. It is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why we exist. Now that could be worship. Worship is, is fundamental to being a Christian. But that's not what I want to talk about this afternoon. It's something I would say is equally as important when you look at the value that God places on it. To try and give you a bit of an idea, let, let's imagine for a minute. Can you do this with me? Imagine that you have just come up with, you've just discovered something, okay? You're a chemist. You work for a pharmaceutical company. And you've gone into that because you want to you wanna find a cure for something. You've got that kind of mindset where you want to help people. That's why you went into this. You wanted to do a job that was going to serve the needs of others. And through your work, through your studies, you suddenly discover a herb, okay? And this... Pull the mic away. Does it need to be pulled away, Julia, or is that okay? A little bit. If I do that, is that better? Yeah? So imagine you've discovered a herb, and this herb, no one else has realized this, but this herb is, is, is amazing. Because if you take that daily, just a little bit of this herb, every single day, you will never, ever fall sick with anything ever again. Just imagine that for a minute. You discover a her- Paul, can we get this off? Where is he? Is he around somewhere? You discover this herb. Is that off? I'm assuming that's off. That if taken daily, you will never, ever become sick. What would you do? Would you patent it? Would you go and buy an island on the Caribbean? I mean, you've just found, you've just discovered the cure for cancer. The cure for heart attacks. The cure for strokes. The cure for every disease known to man. If you take this herb, that's it. So you patent it. You, sorry, you don't patent it. You, you test it. You do clinical trials. You raise money. You test it. And it works. Everything about it says this works, this is the, the genius, this is the elixir that people have been searching for forever and you have found it, you have discovered it. How would you, be, how would you respond to that? What would you do? I don't think you might go out and buy the Caribbean island. You might do. I would hope you wouldn't. I would hope suddenly within you, because of your passion, because of why you discovered this, you would suddenly be overwhelmed, overcome with a burning desire to tell everyone about this. Yeah? You'd want it to be freely available. You'd maybe want to get on the telly and, and explain to people and, and tell people. You'd want to get around the world. You'd want to make sure that everyone in the world knew about this herb and that all you have to do is figure it out. If you just take this, just a little bit each day, it will keep you healthy forever. You might want to tell them, help them to kind of get into a routine of taking it first thing in the morning so they don't forget. You might want to do any of these things. I think you'd become passionate, wouldn't you? I think you'd suddenly develop a passion within 
that meant you were, you were determined that everyone would know about this thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would overtake you. It would overtake you. Do you realize that God wants everyone to be saved? Now, what does that mean? Because if, you're, if you've been a Christian for a few years, you'll know what that phrase means, to be saved. If you don't, let me explain it to you. The, the problem, in fact, the Americans said a few years ago that the, the, the enemy within was greater than the enemy without. Their biggest threat was coming internally rather than from externally. But that's the same with us. My biggest threat my personal biggest problem I have is in here. It's in me. It's not anyone else. It's me. Your biggest problem, your biggest issue is you. It's in you. If you think about it, how many times do we get road rage or how many times do we doubt? How many times do we get fearful and we miss opportunities? And really we know that actually it's down to ourselves. It's down to ourselves. We could have gone and done it and we've held ourselves back. We've hindered ourselves. If you've ever been addicted to something, you'll know exactly what I'm on about. The biggest threat is within. And to be saved is to have God come into your life and fix that. Fix it. Once and for all. Forever. Done. To be at perfect peace, knowing that, that you don't have to worry about, about sin or any of those things because suddenly you have God there and he is going to help you. He is described in the Bible as the great high priest. Jesus, the great high priest who has solved the sin issue. He died for it. He did everything needed that you would be saved, that the sin problem would be cured forever. That you wouldn't need to worry about guilt or shame or embarrassment or any of these things. But you could overcome. But you could always be victorious. That you could never, ever fail. Could you imagine a life where you could never fail? I live that life. I can't fail. I cannot fail. I can do things that aren't as successful as other things, but that's different to failure. That just teaches me something. And I take that on board and I change and, and I listen to God and then I move on. But I can't fail because failure implies judgment. But I'm free from judgment. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. The only person I answer to is God. Is God. And he is the most important one. He is the most important one. And, and when you answer to God... When you deep down really truly believe that you answer to God, suddenly the standards so much more different, so much higher, so much greater. You know, ever been in that place where you're full of faith and you are just so confident, you know that, that I've got this. No matter what happens, no matter what problem comes about, we're going to sort this. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. That's faith, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's faith. 
knowing that you can't fail, knowing that you can't get it wrong, knowing that there is a solution to that situation and it's in your hands, you're going to find it. God's got it. He's going to give it to you. It's there. You cannot miss it. That is faith. What would you do if you, if you were in that place? It is our faith level that needs to rise. I want to talk to you this morning or this afternoon about speaking to people about God. Telling people about God. In Christian circles, I hate this word. Anyone hate this word? Evangelism. The word. Oh man, I remember being called an evangelist once and I'm like, whoa, don't be calling me an evangelist. I don't want to be known as an evangelist. I don't even like the word. I'll, I'll tell people about God, but don't be calling me an evangelist. I just kind of, that whole word, it brings up all these negative connotations, Bible bashers and all these kind of phrases. I just, I just can't stand it. That's just not me. I don't want anything to do with that. But I do want to help people. I do want to help people. And I do believe that I found the cure. And it's God. It's Jesus Christ he is the cure. And because of that, there is that burning desire within me to find a way to tell others that they may know. So how do we do it? How do we tell others? How do we kind of help them out? How do we fix that? Well, here's the thing, right? I believe that when we're in that state of faith where we know, where we know what the Word says, where it says we can do all things, through Christ who, who strengthens us. The, those who believe can do anything. They can move mountains. Okay? When we're in that state, we're, we're actually believing that, that we can do anything. Now, do I believe that that means we can go and see every single man, woman, and child in Warrington become a Christian? Well, no, because there's free will involved in that. But what we can do is we can go fishing. What we can do is we can put our net out. What we can do is we can go and do it in confidence. We can go and do it in faith, knowing that we cannot fail, that we will reap a harvest. In fact, I heard something years ago. It was at an AOG conference, and this was inspired. It was absolutely inspired. There's, there's a parable in the Bible, and it talks about a sower. And he goes out and he sows, and some of that seed falls in some areas and some there and some there. But a quarter of the seed, one quarter of the seed lands in the good soil and produces a good harvest. Imagine... Imagine that if I told you that if you go out and you speak to people in faith that one in four will become a Christian. Imagine that for a moment, okay? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, imagine that, imagine that, imagine, right? So you go out and you speak to three people and no one gets saved. All I've got to do is go and speak to another one. If I want 10 people saved, go and speak to 40. If I want 100 people saved, just got to go and speak to 400. If I want 1,000 people saved, 250, the math gets a bit harder as you get bigger, doesn't it? Imagine that for a moment. What God's saying is just keep on sowing. The seed is good. Just keep on sowing. We cannot fail. It will reap a harvest. If the seed is good, 
If it falls in bad ground, then yeah, maybe it won't. Maybe that ground will be better in a few years. Who knows? But if that seed is good and you keep sowing it and sowing it and sowing it, eventually you're going to hit on good ground. And it's only a matter of time. The word works. It works. It works. For thousands of years, it's worked. For me, it's worked. For so many of you in here, it's worked. It's worked. It's changed my life. My life is better in every single way because of that seed, that word that was sown into my life. It works. It cannot, cannot fail. If you've got Bibles with you, turn to John, John 4. In fact, let me just share before we go to that, 2 Peter 3, 9. I'll paraphrase it. Basically what God says in this is he says, I'm not slow in wanting to see the world saved. I'm not slow in wanting to see the end come. I'm patient. I'm waiting. I'm giving an opportunity for as many as possible to come to faith. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? If you were in this morning, I'm actually sharing from exactly the same scriptures as Io shared this morning. Um, But well, there'll be a slightly different slant on it. The intro to it is John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Starts off like this. It says, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, it's, it's the title. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Now at this point, right, so Jesus is suddenly becoming famous. He's making more disciples than John and John was the man. People were coming from everywhere to come and see John. But now, Jesus, suddenly they're all flocking to Jesus. So he exits the scene. He leaves. And it says, though, it says in brackets in verse 2, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Verse 3 says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now, verse 4 says, this says something interesting, something curious that could be taken a couple of different ways. It says, he had to go through Samaria or Samaria, whatever your preference is, on the way. He didn't have to, in the sense that he had to, there was no other way. The roads were closed, there was a diversion, and that was the only way he could go. He hadn't closed the M6. He could get on it. There was a number of different routes he could go on. The sat-nav was saying, you can go this way, you can go that way. Do you want the windy roads or do you want to go down this way? And Jesus, no, he had to go that way. Not because there was no other way. So if it wasn't because there was no other way, why did he have to go that way? Because of his mission. He had a mission to meet with this woman. He's about to meet a woman. He's about to meet her. And it's going to be a key turning point for the whole of Samaria. He had to go that way. He had to meet that woman. He knew it. And what I want to say to you is, there will be situations in your life where you have to do something. You are compelled to do something. Maybe it's a job you're compelled to take. Maybe it's you're compelled to go to Asda instead of Tesco. Because there's a woman there that you've got talking to on the till and you just know you've kind of got to go back and speak to her. 
And really, Tesco do the better stuff or Sainsbury's or whatever, but I've just got to go there. I have to go there because I've got to speak to that person. We used to live near a Chinese and I had to go there regularly because there was a woman there and I'd made such friends with her and, and I had to go. I kept telling Vicky, Vicky, I've got to go. We've got to get another Chinese. She didn't believe me, but for the, for the cause, you understand. And then I had to go to the gym. But anyway, that's another story. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. It was an old well, fairly insignificant. It had been there for thousands of years, this was just an old well, nothing special about it other than the fact that it was an old well, an ancient well. There was heritage there. There was history in that well. There was something about that well that was special. And this woman was sat there at, or she eventually comes and meets with Jesus at this well. You know, how often do we just think, oh, it's just that old person it's just that old neighbor that I know, and it's just that old this, just that old that. This was just that old well. It was all it was. Nothing special about it. But there was for this woman because of who she met there. She met the Holy Spirit there through Jesus. Through Jesus. It transformed her life. Do you realize? that if you're a born-again believer, and we might explain that if there's time in this message, but it's not the main point of this message, but if you don't know it and we get to the end of this message, do not leave without coming to me and say, hey, Barry, what does that mean, Holy Spirit? What is that all about? What, what do you mean, the Holy Spirit? But you realize if you're a Christian in this place, you're a born-again believer, you've got the, the life of the Holy Spirit within you, Within you, you are Jesus to that person on the till at Tesco, the co-op, wherever it is, that neighbor that you say hello to every morning, that you go out of your way, or that route that you take because it's just, a, or maybe it's that coffee you have with that, with that guy at break time at work. Maybe it's that customer that you just have to take that extra few minutes with just to be polite. That person on the phone. It's for their soul's sake. It is for their soul's sake. Remember what I said a few minutes ago. This is fundamental. It is one of the reasons why we exist. Is to share the gospel. To tell people. Bible puts it this way. Jesus freely received, freely give. 20 odd years ago, I, 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 someone told me about God and I didn't believe at the time. And, and you know what? It transformed my life. Yeah. Where would I be if someone hadn't told me? Yeah. If you're a Christian in this place, where would you be if someone hadn't told you? Where would that person, where will that person be if you don't tell them? Where will they be if you don't share with them? 
We have to do this. Just like Jesus had to go to Samaria. You could argue, no, well, I don't have to. No, you don't have to, but you have to. And it, this was, the region was Samaria, Samaritans. This was a, a, an old area. These people had been deposed, if you like, cut off from, from the Jews. They were at war with the Jews, really. There was a lot of animosity between them. In fact, the Samar Samaritans wouldn't even go and worship with the Jews. They had their own temple there. They were an old ancient culture. They were the lost sheep. They were hostile to the Jews, but they were the lost sheep. And Jesus was a Jew. Who in your life, who in your world has got some kind of heritage, some Christian heritage? Maybe it was a, a, they used to go to church as a child. Maybe it's the grandparents. Maybe they've talked to you about God and they knew God once. But now they're kind of, it's gone and they're just, they're just animosity towards you and and. Your religion and Christianity, although we hate the word religion, don't we? Anyone know what I'm on about? We're not religious, are we? Forgive that word. But Jesus had to go and be where that woman was. And you have to go and be where that person is. You don't have to, but you have to. Verse 7, it says this, As soon as Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Because anyone heard all the teaching around friendship evangelism? Anyone heard all of that stuff? Going out and helping people and, and going and cutting the grass for them. And do, do you know what's just as powerful? And in fact, in some circumstances, even more powerful than friendship evangelism. Asking for help evangelism. Anyone heard of that? Do you not realize how powerful that is? Jesus did it right here. He asked this woman for help. Do we really believe he needed her to give him a drink of water? He was on about metaphorical water, but he was on about literal water as well. Of course he was. He was on about literal water, but he asked her for something. Do you know the power in asking for help? Do you realize that power? It can break the ice like nothing else. It can create a bond between you and someone else. Do you realize when someone helps you? It's scientific fact, this. they've done research on this. When somebody helps you, when you go and ask someone for help and they help you, suddenly they feel, feel an affinity towards you. Yet all we hear teaching on is us going out as Christians and helping the world. Well, there's a lot more of them than there is of us. Maybe we need to turn it on its head and go and ask them to come and help us. And if we can get them to come and help us, maybe they'll feel an affinity and, hey, maybe it's a win-win and we'll just, they'll all get saved and we'll build the kingdom that way. Jesus did it. It worked. I would open your mind to possibilities, to ways of, of connecting with people, to ways of communicating with people, opening up the conversation. And Jesus did something that I've done already. I did it on purpose as well. I do this quite often, actually. In fact, someone picked up on it uh, the other day and, and mentioned it. And, and I was I had a little wry smirk on my face because I thought, yeah, it's, that's good. It's working. And 
He, in fact, actually comes a little bit later, so we'll go on to that. But he says, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. They were hungry. It's fair enough. They wanted something to eat. He broke the ice with her. The woman was surprised, it says in verse 9, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. So there's another, we, anyone you know about this taboo between men and women in that, in that day? It, it would have been a taboo thing for Jesus just to be talking to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. So there's another taboo he's breaking down there. There's a little, anyone, anyone thinking about things? Like maybe there's someone that, you know, you shouldn't speak to. You know, like for me, obviously Manchester United, the enemy, devil worshippers, you name it, you know, all of that stuff. Pictures of the devil on, on next to the heart. I mean, I, that, that just sends shivers down my spine. I'm like, I, I, whoa, makes my itch and everything. I, wow. And I mean, they're from Manchester as well. Well, actually, no, to be honest, if you're a true Man United fan, you're not from Manchester, but that's another story. But. <laughs> Sorry, I should crack on. But it's a taboo, isn't it? It's a taboo. Break it down. Go and speak to someone you wouldn't normally speak to. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you. Just stop a moment. Whoa. Whoa. I just want to let them words resonate for a minute. If you only knew the gift God has for you. If you only knew. Would you say that with me? Can we say that together? If you only knew the gift God has for you. That's incredible, isn't it? If you said nothing else to someone other than that, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, you might suddenly expect them to get down on their knees and be, oh, wow, and they might not. But those words, they'll be going over in the mind, they'll be thinking about them. Well, what gift, what is it? What, what is it that God's got for me? If you only knew the gift that God has for you. Do you realize for those people in your world, do you realize the gift that God has for them? Do you realize? Have you thought about it recently? Have you really considered it and thought about what God's got for those people in your world? What he's got for them? The gift the gift, the amazing, incredible gift that he's got for them. How powerful it is. How life-changing it is. Have you forgotten what he did for you? Your life. How he transformed it. Wow. And who you are speaking to. You know, I know that as Christians, one of the fundamental things is we kind of, we're not like, hey, do you not know who I am? We don't kind of do that thing, do we? Hey, do you know who I am? Uh, you know? Uh, but there should be something within us that realizes 
who we are. I am a child of God. Vicky prayed a, a blessing. I nearly did it this afternoon and, and I, I didn't want to kind of interrupt. But Vicky played, prayed a blessing during the offering talk. It's something we purpose to do every offering talk, just to pray a blessing on everyone's finances, whether they give or not, you name it. Really felt compelled to do that. And, and, and I, I got up this morning's meeting and I just said, some of you will know when I was in, you, you, do you realize that, that that carries so much power? That those words alone, true believers, as far as they're concerned, that's done, sealed. That's done. Cannot be revoked. That has to happen. The only thing that can revoke that is doubt and unbelief. If you believe that, if you believe in the power of blessing, it is irrevocable. It is irrevocable. You can transform your world and other people's world just by words alone. Hey, God created the whole world with words alone. Why would we think we can't just pronounce a blessing and it happen with our words when we are children of God, when we are so powerful, so powerful? Jesus says greater things will we do than he did. He raised the dead, the lame walked, the blind saw, the dead were raised to life and the poor had the good news preached to them. And he says we're going to do greater things. I thought that deserved something a bit more than that. Come on. Come on. Hey, uh, don't applaud me. I didn't write it. <laughs> they weren't my words. Matthew 10, is it? Matthew 11. Oh, wow. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. And here's the bit, right, that um, I refer, uh, referred to before. You would ask me and I would give you living water. Do you, do you know what he did there? He, he just messes with her head. He like just blows her mind. She's like, whoa, whoa, what? Living water, what? Living what? Whoa, what's, what's this? stuff you're on about living water it's going over in her mind she's like whoa she's stopped this is confusing what living how can water be alive it's dead it's just water we use it we get it what living water what on earth is living water you know uh, one of the things we love to do in this church is we tr try and avoid christian cliches Without explaining them, we try and speak in normal language rather than, you know, the old King James and stuff like that. Although sometimes it comes into your head, doesn't it? You just can't get away from it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that on the odd occasion, something like the phrase living water just gets someone thinking. It just, boom, it, it's, it's hypnotic. It suddenly gets them going, what is that? And suddenly they're in their own little world working it out. Working it out, you've got them. You've thrown them the bait and they've bit. Fishers of men, Jesus said. A little phrase like that can suddenly capture them. Now, that just like with fish, that bait might not work for that person over there. So you might have to use something different for them. Jesus didn't just, and the disciples didn't just preach in one way to everyone, did they? For some, they healed. Others, they called out different I mean with this woman she gets pretty much everything doesn't she if you know this story I mean she gets virtually every angle everything there is to get she gets it 
need to crack on because of time. Jesus replied, um, let's, let's move on. But sir, suddenly it, it, the language has changed now. Sir, she suddenly, whoa, hold on. You, you, you're, you're special. Suddenly there's a respect there. Any, anyone had that where someone just, they're not really showing you any respect. They're not they're like, who are you? You know what I mean? Uh, but suddenly they're like, they're starting to realize there's something about you. You, you, are, you. you know what we need to raise? We need to raise our warmth our love, and we need to raise our authority. We, we, you, don't, don't raise your warmth and your love by weakening your authority and your power. Don't walk around like you, you're nothing and you're weak and oh, I'm just a Christian and I'm just this to raise your warmth. That doesn't work. When, have you read the book of Acts? Have you read how they spoke to people? Have you read the power that they had when they, the authority that they had in their words? Even when they were stood in front of people who had the power to kill them, to, to boil them in water, you name it. And they stood there bold as lions declaring, we have the words of eternal life. They didn't weaken the power, but they raised, they showed them the love alongside it. That's the magic formula. That's the thing that will do it. You don't weaken your power to make yourself more loving. Nor do you weaken your love to make yourself more powerful. You raise them both up. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? See, this is where the sir at the beginning is really important because this wasn't accusatory. This was inquiry. She wasn't accusing him of, what, hey, you think you're better than, well, who do you think you are? This was, well, are you, are you, better, than, are you better than Jacob? Am I in the presence of someone greater than Jacob? Am I in the presence of, who am I in the presence of? I need to know. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, anyone, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. <laughs> wow. There's the sin right there. You see, she's not just had multiple husbands. She's actually lonely. She's lonely. She's restless. Listen to the reply. I don't have a husband. It's like Jesus didn't have to go to Samaria, but he did. You don't have to go and invite someone next week, but you do. She didn't have a husband, but she did. He said, you're right. You don't have a husband, 
because you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Do you feel the respect? Suddenly she's like, ah, sir. She started, you're a prophet. She's realized he's a prophet. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah, Jesus said. I am the Messiah. Make no bones about it. Jesus is the Messiah. God, the one who holds the keys to eternal life. The sickness in your soul, all of it. He is God, Son of God, Son of Man, Saviour, Messiah, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Ever come across those people? They get saved and they're just bringing everyone along. Everyone. That's you. That's you. Come. Come. Come to church. Come and see. Come and hear. Come and experience. Come and visit God. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I'm going to stop there. You know, I said to Io this morning, Io was getting up to preach and the, 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 it was packed out. I mean, we're on about like, we're having to bring chairs in. You guys are the clever ones because you've come to the meeting where there's seats. The guys this morning, they came and they're having to like stand at the back and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's not wise. Come to the afternoon one. It's far, far better. This nice and mellow is cool, isn't it? You know what I mean? And the worship, it's not all mellow. That's proper. You're up on your feet and everything. You know what I mean? And I, I just turned to him and I knew he was getting up and I just said, Io, I said, because he'd, he'd helped me get extra chairs. Me and him are like, we're around the back here trying to get them out and bring them round and we're grabbing chairs and all of this stuff and bringing them round for, for people. And, and, and I, I just turned and said to him, Io, I said, look around. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. 200 and... 20-ish thousand people there are in Warrington last census. God's promised us this church 1%. The other 99%, the other churches can go and deal with them and whatever, but he's given us our inheritance is the 1%. That's a lot. It's a lot of people if you work it out. It's a couple of thousand people. This place full, it's not enough. Five meetings, back to back throughout the day in this place not enough that point that's when we get a new building bigger one take over the part all Warrington Wool Stadium I don't know 
We'll start at the town hall. The centre will take over the lot. Why not? We, we have the keys of eternal life. You up for that? Anyone fancy joining me? Just get over yourself. <laughs> Here's what I mean, right? I'm going to get down. Come on, you guys. Get up. Give them some hope that I'm finished. Uh, what I mean by that is get over yourself. You've got to get over. If you want to be a part of this, you want to join with us in building this, come on. Get over yourself. What do we mean? Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I mean get over that fear of inviting. Get over that fear of talking to that person. Get over it all. Just do it. Just do it. Just get up off your backside and do it. Just put yourself out and invite someone. Just bring them along. Put your embarrassment, your shame and all of that stuff to one side and just invite them because guess what? Someone did it for you. God bless.